I, it's been a while since I've been called a rock star farmer. Ever since I left British Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Ruminant Podcast. I'm Jordan Marr. The Ruminant is a show that gives equal weight to the practical aspects of farming and the culture of farming. And sometimes we dabble in food politics and food security too. You can learn more at theruminant.ca or contact me, editor at theruminant.ca or at ruminantblog on Twitter. All right, let's do another show. Hey everyone, it's Jordan. So not too long ago, my friend Jean-Martin Fortier, who is probably best known for his book, The Market Gardener, contacted me to ask me if he could come on the show to talk about a new project that he's been working on and just to have a conversation in general. And since I always like talking to JM, I said, of course. And so here we are. Now, the project in question is an online course that he's done in collaboration with a few other folks. It's called the Market Gardeners Masterclass and can be found at themarketgardenersmasterclass.com. And just before we got going with the conversation, John Martin let me know that he wanted to give listeners of this podcast a discount of $150 off the price of the course. To do that, you need to do it by this coming Friday. I'm speaking to you on a Sunday, and this will be released uh, tonight. So you have about five days to go to themarketgardenersmasterclass.com and use the code THERUMINANTPODCAST, all one word. And you can get yourself a discount on the course. So we talk about that course in our conversation as well as a few other things that I wanted to ask Sean Martin about. I hope you enjoy the episode. And a couple more quick comments. One, just to be clear, I'm not deriving any uh, kickbacks or other economic benefit from, uh, from helping JM promote the course. And two, it was a beautiful spring day on the farm and it was very sunny and lovely out when I had to talk to Jean Martin. So I brought all my recording equipment out into the middle of the field and set it up and had a nice conversation and you will hear bird noises and the odd airplane and that sort of thing in the background. What else? Oh yeah, this is not uh, meant to be an official episode. You're still gonna get your Friday episode this week. This one wasn't planned, and in order to give you time to get the discount if you want it, I'm putting it out now. So you'll get another one from me this Friday. Consider this one a bonus, and yeah. Okay, talk to you at the end. Jean-Martin Fortier, welcome back to the Ruminant Podcast. Hey, Jordan. It is a great pleasure to be back. Good, good. I'm glad to have you back, man. Uh, so, well, how's it going? Uh, it's going really well, actually. We're, it's spring here in Quebec. We still have snow, and temperatures are still just above, just below frost. But uh, we're thinking that things are going to get better soon. And, uh, yeah, I've... Since we talked, a lot has changed in my life. I started a new farm project, pretty big one, a ferme de quatre temps, and uh, I've, I'm still doing uh, workshops and, and, and speaking gigs pretty much all around, and uh, my wife is running my home farm really well. She, she says that it's awesome ever since I left the farm, <laughs> much better, uh, and I launched an online course that, that was launched last January and that's really cool we have students from 33 different countries and I just came back from a surf trip 
where I was surfing for the last two weeks in El Salvador, caught some awesome waves, and then my last session, there's a dude that wanted to hit me in the face because I stole his wave. How did you? So how, did, how did you get out of that one? Uh, I just got really lucky because he was a big, big dude from there and all muscle, and he was really angry at me. <laughs> it's like fuck. That's why I don't surf, Jean-Martin. Yeah. Well, I also don't surf because I'm pear-shaped, and I would not be able to get up on the board, but also because I don't want to get beat up by El Salvadorans. Uh, I want to ask you about the new farm uh, and a couple other questions uh, to do with what you're doing these days. But I thought we'd start with a a little on a lighter note. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have a couple of listener-submitted questions for you. Cool. Uh, this first one is from Daniel Brisebois in Quebec. Who is that guy? Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of him. (laughs) Anyway, he writes, Jean-Martin, presumably you've been doing well for yourself as a market gardener and agripreneur. Can you confirm or deny the assertion by Biggie Smalls that mo money equals mo problems? (laughs) Gotta love it. More money equals more problems? Yeah, true or false in your experience? False. 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 Yeah, money is a great thing. Yeah. You want to have you want to have as much money as possible. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a straight answer. So I hope you're happy with that answer, <laughs> Daniel Brisbois, in Quebec. Uh, next, last one. Uh, listener Chris Bodner writes, uh, "JM, for years you've been called a rock star farmer." but I heard that you've become so famous that people have started calling U2's Bono a farmer rock star. Is this true? Also, do you prefer to sleep on piles of money or in bathtubs full of cocaine? It's been a while since I've been called a rock star farmer. Ever since I left British Columbia. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I like that answer. But what about part and two? I, I would, I would, I would actually love to be snorting coke, but uh, I have, I have asthma, and I just drugs don't do well with me, so I, I, I don't, I, I don't do that that habit. But I, I, I would love to have a lifestyle like that where I'm just kind of reckless. And... So, so not all the rumors are true, Jam. No, not all rumors are true. And about the money thing, I think it's good to have as much as possible, but I think you don't want to have too big of a too too many needs. I think you're better to be satisfied with what you have and be in appreciation mode. That's really the secret to be, uh, I think, wealthy. Because I hang out sometimes with the, the, the person that has the farm here. He's like really, 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 really rich. And I don't see that he's more happy. I mean, he has a lot of problems. He talks about money all the time. And so uh, it's just for me, it's just another proof that it's not the money you have, it's attitude about it and how appreciative you are about things well put jm well put uh okay so i made up those questions myself but let's get serious um okay so so a couple years ago now you i mean i I really want to condense this jean martin but but you know you've got this new farm project it's funded by this uh wealthy canadian uh who kind of I mean, I'm sure he had a few motivations, but he saw some promise in this style of farming. Uh, if I understand, um, one of the core concepts of the farm is, could you take the 1.5 acre intensive model and expand it out a bit? 
uh, and could you add some more layers of production? So maybe I'll let you take, yeah. take it from there and just, just give us a summary of what the project's all about. Yeah, well, the, the project was, was more than that. It was about creating a farm that has, uh, it's, a, it's a polyculture farm that had animals, vegetables, and a, a commercial kitchen, really high-end, and uh, have all of this under one brand and, and sell directly all of these things through the, the marketing channel of the brand. And he wanted to invest to have a farm that has all, that had all of that, included a lot of permaculture in the design. The farm was created from scratch. And um, to show that farming could be more holistic, and we're really working with, um, you know, ecological principles throughout the whole system. And then, so that farm, was his project, his idea. He wanted to fund that farm. And his, his goal was to showcase what a different style of farm could look like. Something that is more, like I say, holistic and wholesome and that, you know, grew better food, if you can put it that way, compared to conventional farming. Okay, but I, I almost, I, I'm almost more interested to compare it to your original farm. Like what? So I mean, the scale's larger. I think yeah, you're so, growing, so, you're, you're growing vegetables on more acreage. But what yeah, else? So what I, are the major differences? I, I, well, there's animals. So there's, you know, there's there's a uh, pastured pork, and then there's uh, there's cattle, and then there's chickens running in automobiles and chicken tractors. But the market garden is pretty much the same principles that I have on my farm that I described in the market gardener, but we scaled it times, uh, I think, five or six. It's like seven or eight acres. It's 400, 450 permabeds, all 100 foot long. And the reason why this was, because one of my goals and the reason why I said yes to this project was I wanted to train more people. And for everyone that's being trained to feel the pressure of market gardening, you know, having a lot of work to do. The farm, if I'm training 10 people, then the farm needs to be big enough so that there's a lot of work. And so that was that was the original idea. And through that, we were also investigating, could this small-scale farming model be kind of scaled up? And the, and the answer to this is yes, because we still don't have a tractor except for, you know, hauling compost on the farm. And the first year, the sales were 240. The second year, uh, it was 540 last year. And this year, we're moving to $700,000. And there's a staff of 10 working in the garden. And still, for me, in my mind, the tractor is not in the equation as something that would make the farm more... Uh, you know, more efficient. We've put a lot of effort into the washing station and we're spending tons of time there. We have a lot of systems on the admin side that helps but, and new tools, a lot of new hand tools that are really, really cool. I gave a, a presentation, I think people can see online, about five new tools that are making a big difference on this farm. But overall, it's the same model, permabeds, tarps, and we're just kind of multi-seeding things and just kind of pumping out stuff. And 
So, JM, JM, I just wanted to yeah. ask you when you say a project when I, when you say a projected 700k in sales this year, yeah, um, yeah. is that just the vegetables? Is is that the whole yeah, operation? Just, just, just the vegetables, and I think that's so that people listening can can understand kind of the, the, the scope and the scale of, of the operation. Mm-hmm. So that's we did we did the crop planning for for this year, and everything was crop planned to reach that target of 700k. Which, which you know, it gets to be quite a lot. So, Jam, I, you're pro. You might be getting tired of this question by now, but can you give a sense though of like, I mean, you did have the backing of a billionaire to get set up. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, um, I don't know. Talk about that a little bit. What what influence did that have on yeah, on well, getting it, to scale and success? Yeah, and I know it, you know it turns a lot of people off because they're like, oh, fuck, you're funded, and I'm not. But you know, whatever. This is. This is this is this reality. Somebody wanted to make a farm like that, and and, uh, and I was excited about creating this. And there's been a lot of really cool offsets to this project that are helping other people elsewhere. One being the online course, um, and me being able to try all these strategies and these tools. We're doing a lot of experimenting with compost teas, and you know, we're researching about how to better crop plan. We're working with ends from California. We're, you know, we're doing all sorts of stuff that if it was my own farm, I'd be much more worried about just making more money. And here the goal is, is, is that, to make the farm viable because the farm is a running business. But there's more to that. And there, it needs to be a farm that helps other farmers in a way. And I thought, for me, the goal was innovation because that's what I believe in. I've always been, been kind of a big believer in innovating strategies, tools, and principles in small-scale market gardening. Okay. Okay, so is that, is that a good answer, Jordan? Or? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, trying to get at, I'm just trying to get at what kind of investment happened. Um, oh, sure. A lot of money because the farm was created in like two years. Yeah. And, and you should see, you know, if people go online on, on, uh, on my website, themarketgardener.com, they'll see pictures of the farm. There's been so much work done with flowering hedgerows, building ecological niches for frogs, snakes, and toads all around the market garden. Uh, there's so many things that were built into this farm, and that was mainly because there was money supporting, a lot of money supporting the project. And, you know, shrubs were bought big to, to, so that the process would go faster. It is a, a super big project, but it's really cool. And I feel, again, fortunate and blessed to be able to do that. And one day I'll go back to my home farm, and I don't know how I'll handle me and my wife. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to be two boss now, but, uh, you know, I'm here now, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Well, I take, I take, I don't know. I, when you describe it, I take some pessimism and optimism from it in the mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. that, um, it, it kind of highlights, well, I'll start with the positive. It, it, yeah. you, you, you appear to be demonstrating that when you, when you spend the investment to really set it up to create those niches for other, for biodiversity, um, and do all these cool things as far as ecological stewardship, you're demonstrating that, that, if you have the the resources to do that, you can then create uh, a profitable farm all the same, even with all that other extra investment. On the negative side, it it does it does it's, it kind of serves to highlight 
how hard it is for the typical farmer to incorporate some of those features because it requires cash flow. It requires investment up front to some degree, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that would be, that could be one critic of this project, but then that's not the mission. Like when I published the market gardener, I was well aware that the model that we were talking about was, uh, you know, reprodu- reproductible because of the low cost of the investments. And that was the main, that was the main reason to start a model like that. But, you know, I doesn't mean that I did that and I promoted that, that I need to be stuck in this reality. Like, I'm not a new farmer anymore. I'm a seasoned grower. It's going to be my 16th year. And I had, I have, and I had the opportunity to show that, okay, you can do it on a shoestring and it's awesome. And I think you should be starting your farm like that. But what if farms were not undercapitalized? Mm-hmm. Like, and here in Quebec, you know, the dairy farmers are not undercapitalized. They're well capitalized. They have big barns and they have tractors and they have, you know, in big investments and, and big loans and, and big grants funding them. What if the same amount of energy, money, money being energy, was spent for small scale farming? Totally. And, and, and I think that, yeah, I think that that's, that's, I think that's the future actually of small scale farming is getting more more resources put into washing stations, greenhouses, uh, landscaping, and, you know, better management tools. And, and yeah, I think farmers are going to need help that way. And I think that's that's what governments are for. I mean, the government- well, that's what governments are for, and that's what a project like this is for, to, 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 to provide a test case. Listen, man, I want to yeah. be on the record of saying um, there, there are aspects of this project you described that I may if I had more time, want to nitpick and, and criticize, but only mildly. Mm-hmm. I think on, on the whole, uh, what, one thing that doesn't really bother me about it is that you have a billionaire investor behind it. I think it's a fantastic opportunity uh, to test out some of these ideas. Um, yeah. So I don't think you owe anyone any explanation for having decided to get involved in this project. I would jump at the chance, frankly. So Jean-Martin, I want to move on. I wanted to ask you, look, you've mentioned, you've already acknowledged that you're, you've been blessed with a lot that's happened to you. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a smart form of blessed. You've created a lot of your luck, I think it's fair to say, but I agree you're blessed. And one thing you're blessed with is, is the opportunity to, to really be on the cutting edge. You get to rub shoulders with all the innovators. Um, and I, so I just want to, I want to close out the conversation by asking you to describe, I, I don't, I, I know people can go to your various websites and, and learn about this stuff, but can you talk about one tool that would be accessible to the, the one acre gardener oh, that is new, new and exciting? Okay. I have a lot. I, I, I wrote an article in growing for market about these five tools and I, I ranked them. So if people want to go to growing for market, they can check it out. But, the, the growing for market being the the magazine about small scale farming, but so the five tools are number one the TerraTech BioDisc that is sold through Dubois and uh, Johnny's. So it's a double wheel hoe, and so it straddles the crop on your row, and then you have discs in the back that are dismounting the soil over your row. So it's kind of hilling mm-hmm. the crop, and so it's burying your weeds that are, you know, on your on your carrot rows mm-hmm. and it's cultivating between the rows at the same time. So you're doing 
two rows in one pass plus in the middle of the row instead of doing like stirrup hoeing you're just zooming down with this tool it's really awesome people should check it out cool so it's it's the double deck uh double wheel hoe from tega tech with the biodisc so that was that was number one game changer on this farm okay. like last year on these 450 perma beds we hand cultivated uh once wow so tarts and then that tool systematically used uh, 10 days after transplant and uh, 15 days after the rexone. And then the other one, which is awesome, is the uh, Flex Tine Weeder, 30-inch Flex Tine Weeder, uh, built by two bad cats, two dudes from uh, Vermont. Yeah, awesome. I've, I've featured the, them on the podcast before. they got good they, tools. These, these guys... These guys, okay, I met them at, at, at a conference, and they had these, they had this, this, this flex time. I was like, do you guys know that this is going to revolutionize small scale farming around the world? And they were like, no, but, it, but uh, do you think it's cool? I think it's awesome. Super well built, light, really well designed. This tool has been saving us hundreds of hours of cultivating in the field. So when, when do you, like, on a bed of carrots, when do you normally, or onions say, when would you use it? Well, what stage? Uh, we use it usually 10 days after the rexone and you do two paths. So another five days later, it doesn't eliminate all the weed, but it's a good 60%. Cool. Um, and you're dropping, yeah, and it's two, 250 bucks. And you're dragging it down the length of the bed or across the yep. bed? Uh, the, uh, whoa, I don't understand. You're just dragging it on the bed. It's 30 inch and you're just kind of going back and forth right. really fast. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, all so right. that's two. Okay. So you have, you have time for, two, for three more? No, because I want, uh, this, the, this has been done. I want, people can go, this is, you just gave them a little taste. They can go and find the okay. article and maybe subscribe to Growing for Market if it's not available for non-subscribers. Yeah. And, I, and I they can, and, and they can support a really good publication. Um, yeah. So one now I want to ask you the same question for like a cutting I get, edge. I get I, I get excited about these things. <laughs> I could talk forever. About a cutting that. a cutting edge technique. Uh, I, okay. I I'll I'll nudge you towards wood chips unless there's yep. something even more exciting to talk about. Oh yeah, uh, uh, um, compost tea. Okay, compost tea done every week. Uh, with you know in, in following. The right procedures. We're we're following somewhat of what uh, Dr. Elaine Ingham is doing, um, because she what what she stresses out is really the importance of the compost. Um, I don't know the word in English, but the compost that you're starting with, that you're brewing with, that compost needs to be, you know, not just good compost. It needs to be you know super complex compost with all these different uh, microbial life in it. So you start with that, and then you inoculate. Your plant, your seedlings in your nursery every week by mm-hmm. spraying the compost tea on them, and then when you're transplanting them into the field, you also want to give compost tea uh, at least twice. And I think that's the future of farming, but I need to test it more. And because uh, Dr. Elaine and she would she would bluntly say to you, Jordan. Uh, if you do that, you don't need to be adding any fertility, and you don't need to put any insect nets. Okay. Your crops, it's like, it's like magic and miracle. So 
that's the kind of thing that I want to try and test. Okay, so I've got two follow-up questions about that, maybe okay. three. Really quickly, as quickly as you can, I'm aware of Elaine Ingham's work. How do you, how are you ensuring that you have the right, quote-unquote, right compost to make your tea? You buy it from somebody that's a geek. Okay, fair enough. So you're buying what you consider high quality. You're not doing Elaine Ingham's microscope test. No. Okay, let's just leave it at but, that. But, yeah. Okay. Okay. So. And and we're not we're not talking about tons of compost. We're talking about a bag. No, no, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this is timely because this the, the episode that just dropped this morning the day that i'm talking to you is a critique of compost tea by a scientist who says there's mm-hmm. no science that backs up the use of aerated compost tea yeah um which is true there's very little science that says this is going to work um i'm not going to ask you to address that that's not why i'm bringing this up jean martin i'm going to suggest to you that you in your earned well earned but privileged position are in a good position to perhaps do some trials that could be published think about well, that that's what we're doing good that's what we're doing we're, do, we're doing that and, and i talk about compost tea but i don't advocate it and i don't i don't tell people to do it i'm just me now I, this is one of the things that i'm really focusing on mm-hmm. because i understand the principles behind it and i think this scientist would I'm not sure that he understands that the fertility is in the microorganisms themselves. Right. And when they, they, when they multiply, then you multiply the fertility that way. And I really like the concept of filling the space. Like when you inoculate that there's so many microbial uh, bacteria or, or spores or whatever on the leaf plant, then it's, it's completely taken. So when, when a pathogen wants to come, there's no room for him to establish because the space is occupied by something else. I'm so glad this came up, Jean-Martin, because we, you and I both know I'm going to squeeze this in as a non-episode uh, because of timing constraints. And it's going to come right after this episode with this uh, with Linda Chalker-Scott. I encourage you uh-huh. to go. I encourage you to listen to it. I think you'll find okay, it interesting. But also, yeah, man, invite Create the space. You don't even have to do the science, man. Invite invite some local soil scientists or other researchers to come and do some peer reviewed research on your farm. It could be so Done. cool. Because she's not Done. she's not this guest I just had. She's not like super. She's just pointing out we don't have science that can demonstrate this stuff, and we need that before we should reliably rely on this stuff. And I think that's a good point. So, um, yeah. Hey, we should do part part one and part two of this uh, conversation. Um, Jean Martin, the only reason I don't invite you back more is uh, an assumption that you're too busy. So if you want to come back, I'll have you back. Man, I love talking to you about these things. This is awesome. <laughs> okay, so look, uh, final part of the conversation. You've got uh, what I understand to be a pretty cool course. Uh, yes. And it's coming up, or another round of it's coming up. What do you What do you want to tell me? Okay, so uh, first of all. It's, it's an online class, and what it is, and I'm, I'm showing best practice for all the crops all every step of the way. And because what I've figured out running the crew here is that the way you handle your, the way you pick your carrots in the end makes a big difference if it's done this way or that way or this way. 
And the last three years, the, last, the first two years I was here, I was measuring and researching the best practice for everything with regards to each vegetables. And because I'm trying to teach the, the students here, the, the workers that are on this farm, all these best practices so that when they go to their farm, they have, they know how to do this really efficiently. How you're spraying your, with your gun, how you're cultivating, how, you know, everything, how to hold your tools. So doing that, I came to the conclusion that, okay, well, this needs to be filmed because there I'm doing, I'm showing this to 10 people thinking, yes, they'll go and they'll train other people, but, you know, there's a lot of people who'd like to have this information. So that's how we started the class. And so we've been filming all these steps. There's a lot of footage. There's a lot of hours. And a lot of the innovations, a lot of the material that I'm that I'm doing here, that I'm trying and testing, that I know works, I'm filming it and I'm putting it into this class. And uh, so we put a lot of effort last year into it, and then we did a launch. And we had students from 33 different countries signing up. So that was really cool. And then we got all the suppliers that I'm, I've been you know, working with and, and promoting Johnny's and Dubois and BCS and our tools and to give discounts to the students. So from five to 15%, 15% on BCS. So all these things are kind of happening and I putting my energy into that now into this class. Like there's a Facebook group and that's where I'm putting my, my stuff because then when I was putting out my stuff into the, into the greater world, it just came, it became out of control. And I just like, I started a group that was called the market gardening success group. I think there's 30,000 people on this group now. Like there's no way that these are all serious growers. And then everybody's giving their opinion, but then not all the opinions are equal. And so, so I'm kind of like putting all my information into this thing. And then students are committing to me and I'm committing to them. We're doing uh, Q and a sessions with them. We're having events. It's really cool. So what? When is the next? Does it? So does someone sign up and they start anytime, or how does it work? No, there's cohorts because we want groups to start and end together. And so now, in the next week, is there's an open. There's there's going to be three or four openings per year, and it's open for a week. So you know, people ideally they're they're prepared for it, but now it's open for the next seven days, and uh, until Friday. And uh, the, the the director of the class, my partner in this, Sulika, uh, she agreed that all of your listeners would get $150, $150 off if they give your name when they register, something like that, Jordan. Okay, well, that's that's great. What is the, So what is the cost of the course, Jan? Uh, it's 1700 Okay, and so... And it, com- it, and it comes with a money-back guarantee if people are not into it, it's not... It's not helping them, or that's not what they want. Then they can they can get their money back. Oh, cool. Okay, so yeah. the next cohort. So this is going to be ongoing, starting in with different cohorts periodically. But the next one's starting soon. And if I understand right, my listeners have until Friday of the week this episode drops uh, yeah. to 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 go and claim a discount of one hundred and fifty dollars on the course. Yes, and the other thing, Jordan, is I've 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 seen a couple of uh, messages and posts about people saying, oh, online course, blah, blah, blah. You know, we have people that took the class, like serious growers, and they're, 
they're saying this is awesome. Like this is this is helping us immensely. So you know, I, I would suggest that people that are listening before they they complain about anything, check it out because you know, learning from somebody that knows how to do this and that is showing it to you is is the way to go. Like it's like if you want to be a good chef, you go train under a really good chef that really knows how to operate in the kitchen. And then you go on and then you do your own restaurant, whatever. But, you know, there needs to be, I think, better training of these little details about how to, do, how to work, how to, how to crop plan, how to manage weeds better, how to cultivate, how to harvest, how to store crops, how to do work in your nursery, how to be efficient that way. You know, there's so many things. And then you can just have your you have a computer, your laptop, your phone, and then you can just look about how we're doing it, and then you're on your own from there, and you can do whatever. So I think it's cool. Yeah, man. And I mean, look, I, I think a good course is worth that much, and it's it's weird how we think, right? Like I've dropped for travel and fees and everything. I've dropped whatever a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars going to a conference and back. But a, a course like this could easily give you a lot more useful information. So if it helps people out there trying to wrap their head around a $1,700 fee, actually $1,550 after your ruminant discount, haha. Um, <laughs> nice. Just think about think about what you'd spend flying to uh, Moses or Permaculture Voices or, or whatever. Yeah, plus you get discounts. So let's say you're buying a BCS and you, you're saving $700 right there. Right. So it's, I'm just excited about it. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's starting like last year we did the first season, but then I'm going to be putting a lot of material in the next few years into this class because that's kind of my, that's some of my vehicle now for how I'm going to, and I didn't want to do YouTube or these things because I want people that are committing to being serious market gardeners, you know, not just, not just kind of wannabes. Right. Well, Joe Martin, uh, this was uh, a very hastily arranged conversation, and I'm so glad that we had it. I I, uh, I I really like talking to you, man, and so I will have you back on to continue in the future. Thanks a lot, Jean Martin. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Today I learned I don't need anything. All right. So one more time, if you are interested in taking the course and you want to sign up by this coming Friday, you can go to themarketgardenersmasterclass.com enter in the coupon code the ruminant podcast and you'll get yourself 150 bucks off of the course also if you've been enjoying the show and you want to help keep it going you can make a donation at the ruminant.ca slash gift registry thanks folks i'll talk to you again on friday to make our final escape all we'll need is each other a hundred dollars and maybe a roll of duct tape and we'll run right outside of the city's reaches we'll live off chestnut spring water and peaches we'll owe nothing to this world of thieves and live life like it was meant to be Why would we live 
been a place that don't want us A place that is trying to bleed us dry We could be happy with life in the country With salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands I've been doing a lot of thinking Some real soul searching And here's my final resolve I don't need a big old house Or some fancy car To keep my love going strong So we'll run right out into the wilds and braces We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces And live next door to the birds and the bees And live life like it was meant to be